0: Drew Hill covers the Memphis Grizzlies for the Daily Memphian. He's on Twitter at drewhill_dm. Joins us every Thursday. He joins us now. Uh, you skip this trip, bruh?
2: Yeah, I'm not going on this one. It's, okay. The games are just the games are too. I, I don't know. They're not. They're not helping. They're,
0: they're not high profile enough for Drew Hill. Be a They're time not in high
2: profile, and it's expensive. I don't know if you've looked at flights these days, but it's extremely expensive to go across the country. Uh, so, yes, I think this road trip we're going to hold off. We're going to go to a lot of games this year, but this, okay. this road trip we're going to hold off. Uh,
0: before we get into the Grizzlies and uh, and their matchup tonight, and this road trip, and other things, I want because I, I, I know you're a college football guy deep down. Um, Pete Thamel was talking about Deion Sanders. Um, and he was talking about some jobs that you know he might uh, he might entertain or some jobs that might entertain him, and vice versa. And Memphis was mentioned. He Memphis was one of the you know really the two primary schools that uh, they got thrown out there for him. Does that make sense for Memphis? Does that make sense for Dion if indeed Memphis came open?
2: I think it makes more sense for Memphis than it does for Dion, uh, if I'm being honest, because. I think given what he's been able to do and the players that he's been able to get at Jackson State, I mean, that it's obviously impressive. Like, uh, And they're winning games. And the only question I guess I have to some degree as it relates to Dion and his success, if he were to go to a, I don't know, a big-time Power 5 job is like, okay, he's winning right now at Jackson State when he has... The supreme talent there very clearly in a lot of areas. Um, and they're winning a lot of games, and obviously you have to be able to keep that talent together in order to win games, but how much of that is the players that he has versus everybody else, or the coaching job that he's doing? Uh, recruiting is part of coaching, but it's not all of coaching, so to me that's interesting. But I, you know, if you're Memphis and you can get Deion Sanders, Like he's going to get players to go there. I, I, I think that that would be uh, a pretty good hire. Now, you, you, if you're Laird Veach, you know w- between Penny mm-hmm. and uh, Deion Sanders, there's going to be no shortage of headlines. That's for sure. But uh, I, I mean, if that's a possibility for the Tigers, like I would at least be calling and just seeing if he's interested. Yeah. Um, you yeah. Know. I mean, uh, I obviously th- Ryan still has a job. He though, does. He does.
0: Moment. He definitely does. I, I I just think whether it's Dion Sanders, like whether it's Memphis or whatever, I think clearly people are. Um, People are clearly thinking about Florida State there, and and that makes sense. But they, who knows, they may not fire Mike Nor- They may, they may not fire Mike Norvell after this season. I guess what you just have to weigh, if you're Dion, and only he knows this, is how much do athletic directors need to see it at the FBS level, or or is the FCS enough? In the case of Penny Hardaway at Memphis, it didn't matter. He had never had Division One experience as an assistant or a head coach, and they. Believed in his ability enough to give him the job. Um, I, I feel like Florida State. There's it's a it's a no-brainer for them. Um, but as it relates to any anywhere else, yeah. I mean, the more I the more I sort of lay this thing out, the less and less <laughs> the less and less sense it makes for Dion to come to Memphis. You know, it's just like for what? What would he do it? What, what would he need to do it for? What would he need to prove if Florida State's the goal? They'll just bring him in because he's Dion and he's had success at, at Jackson State. They don't need to see him do it at Memphis or Auburn or whatever. You know, but Jackson State will surely be enough. And
2: the second he has success at Memphis, he'd be out the door. That's the other thing about like he does. He's not tied to the university yeah. the way that Penny is. Exactly. Now, yeah. any coach That's that Memphis
0: hires, point. for the most part, is going to you know take the first. Power Five job they get, which is sure understandable. But that's
2: especially true for Dion. That's especially true for Dion. Like I, I, you know, I think you know, even Mike, like he had great years. I mean, the first time, like, given his success that he's had now at an FCS program, the first time he has a winning season, people will be calling him. You know, mm-hmm. it'll be almost immediately. I think in that scenario, but we'll see. I mean, I like. It would certainly be a splash hire. It would be a popular hire for sure if they were able to pull something off like that. But Ryan still has a job. Let's see if he can get him to a bowl game um, and see what happens there. All right, on
1: to the, the Grizzlies, Drew. Sound like you suspected, at least uh, uh, from the pod, that we were headed this in this direction with Zaire Williams, where he would be gone for at least some stretch of time, get the medical update yesterday. That's going to be four to six on him. Do you think at this point, at least four to six weeks, John, do you think at this point Jaron will be back before Zaire?
2: Mm. I think there's a good chance, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, based on what was said a week ago, which was in a couple weeks they hope that uh, Jaron can get back to playing five-on-five, on five. Well, once you're playing five-on-five, five, you're not too far away. Sounds like, you know, based on what – was said then. You, you can, when they say a couple weeks, you, you can't take that literally because the Grizzlies, all, yeah. the timelines are, are usually pretty foggy. But if it's around a couple of weeks, that means like within the next you know two or three weeks at least, Jaron should be back to playing five on five basketball. Um, so that to me suggests that he's probably going to be back before Zaire Williams comes back, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that that's important. I know we're going to get into how they're going to replace him, but, uh, you know, Jaron, because of the way that Santi Aldama has sort of emerged as another guy that can space the floor and shoot, like, he's going to open up more doors for Taylor Jenkins. Like, right now, his his hand is kind of forced. Like, he has to play the rookies because they really just don't have other options. They just do not have a lot of depth. But once Jaron comes back, you can get a little bit, more creative with these lineups and see, you know, what can work better. But yeah, right now, if I had to guess, uh, I'd probably guess that Jaron's back before Zaire.
0: And, and, and what do you think this sort of means for Zaire? I mean, in the, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's just it's one four-to-six-week stretch and, is, and what you hope is a long, prosperous career. But, you know, this was a year... And we don't, you know, we haven't really paid that much attention to it because Jaron is is the is the guy you really want back. But, you know, as a top-ten pick, you were sort of circling this season as as one where you wanted to see him take a step. Can that still happen when he's going to be, I mean, at four to six weeks, I'm going to always lean to the six, then the four with the Grizzlies, right? Um, what does this sort of mean for, for his development? Does it stun it in any way, or do you still think he can come in after the six, find his spot in the rotation and – and have a good sophomore year?
2: Yeah, I think the latter there. I, I I don't think that this changes everything for Zaire Williams. It's obviously very disappointing from a, just a media and a fan perspective because we were all excited to see what he could do based on what he was able to do in Summer League and just the way that the Grizzlies have been able to develop players. And I mean, we see what Santi's doing in his second year, he's surprising everybody. So... um It's disappointing more than anything else, I think. This isn't like a career changer, path changer for Zaire Williams. Um, At least it it shouldn't be uh, if it's just a four- to six-week deal. That happens to people in the NBA all the dang time. So um, it's just more disappointing than anything. And maybe it takes him a little bit longer to get going this season. But he went. He played in those preseason games. He went through training camp. He went through all the summer league. This is just like getting hurt in the middle of the season. Remember last year in the middle of the season when he got hurt, he turned his ankle? Well, when he came back, he had like a different level of focus. He had been completely reset. He shot the ball way better from three-point range. So Zaire's already shown once, like, he can get hurt and come back and find a rhythm and, you know, develop and play – so I don't really worry about that. To me, it's just more disappointing than anything else.
1: I think the number on Ja tonight's 30.5 points, have we reached a point this season with as much as he's getting to the free throw line? I know he's. He, he, you probably won't shoot it this hot from the – not probably, you won't be this hot from three all season long. But is this what it's going to be? I asked Benson this earlier this week, and I'm curious to hear what you think. Is Are we looking at 30-plus for him this season?
2: <laughs> it might be. Um I think he's got a real chance to win the scoring title, especially, I mean, if the guy shoots anywhere close to 40% from three-point range, he's got a really, a, a real chance. He does. Tonight's a tough one, by the way, on that 30-and-a-half, because he's going up against a guy who's pretty fast himself uh, that can stay in front of him probably better than, than other people. I haven't had the chance to go back and look at Ja versus and Fox matchups quite yet, but... Um, but, yeah, I, you know, it, it's it's just going to be like this the rest of the season. I could totally see him averaging over 30 points a game. Um, I think coming into the season, it was like the projection was very close to 29. So if he just barely outdoes that, he's going to get to 30. This is a guy that, that is unstoppable when he makes a three-point shot. you got to be able to stay in front of him. These teams are still sagging off of them. They're probably going to continue to do that because he's just too dangerous going to the basket that you almost have to give him that shot. And so when he's making that shot, he's scoring 30 points a game pretty easily. I'd love to know. I'm sure I can find this. I would love to know the percentage of time he scores 30 points when he makes at least two three-pointers. Because it feels like Mm. he's going to make at least two a game now. Yep. And if that's the case, it's going to be 30 points almost every single night.
0: I'd, I completely agree. I think he has unlocked a new element of his game, and it is past the point, uh, and I said this earlier this week, but I'm going to recycle the line. It's past the point of if you're a defense saying, if he makes it, God bless him. Because that's what you would have said. You know, oh, if he's going to take a third, like that shot he made at the end of the game against the Nets, you would have just said, oh, God, you know, if he makes it, God bless him. But I think we're way past that point. I think if you're a defense, you can't take that approach cuz you'll he will burn your ass every night if you do that. Like and then that's what makes him like he's a real demon right now defensively as a matchup cuz now you have he's keeping everybody honest at all parts on the floor and he has not always done that in his career. It's amazing he was doing what he was doing when he, when that wasn't the case, but now it is. And so it's like it's it honestly is good luck. Every night, good. whoever's guarding John Morant, good luck because he's going to get thirty.
2: Yeah, Dylan got asked about this after the last game, and he just said without any hesitation at all, almost interrupted, was just like unstoppable, unstoppable. The MVP of the league, unstoppable. What he what he does is just so ridiculous, and he it was almost from like a. I know, which I'm sure he does, I know basketball more than all of you guys, and what he's doing is even crazier than I think you realize. Like, that was kind of the place where Dylan was coming from as he was talking about it. I mean, we've we've got the chance to get a taste of just how brilliant he is because of the stuff like the Ben Simmons thing that happens Mm and some of these plays he makes late in the game. You know, I had that story on Ja. This week, where I interviewed him in Houston, right before he scored the 49 points in that game, um, I talked to him that morning, and I was just asking him about, you know, what constitutes a great clutch player and talked about how he can take over games at the end and, you know, where that sort of comes from. And really, everybody pointed out three things. They're like, yeah, he's the freak athlete, but he's also incredibly smart as it relates to those things. He's completely fearless, he does not care if he misses the last shot. He cares if he misses the last shot because he's worried about disappointing his teammates. He didn't care about actually missing the last shot. You know, he, that, That's not an embarrassing moment for Ja Morant. And then the leadership, and I think you see it all sort of come together. But to hear everybody just talk about how special he is, everybody points to something different. And that's how you know you got a special one, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't go, well, yeah, he can jump higher than everybody else. Everybody points at something different as it relates to John Morant, which is how you you truly, truly know that this guy is special. He's got it. Whatever it is, he's got it because he has every single element to the game, and uh, it's just so fun to watch. We have no words to describe it. We we talked about that last week. There's just no words to describe this anymore.
1: Drew, how, how important is Dylan Brooks to this in the sense that you know, I know you saw that game back. He's rusty. You know, you're groaning shot per shot. Then at the end, he's, fine. He's, you know, he's falling in. Bain's the hot guy, and he gets it to him. And I know the point was made after the game, and I think it, it rings true that when he's out there, too, it unlocks Bain in terms of those assignments defensively, right? You don't have as much pressure on you if you're Bain when you got Dylan Brooks on the floor. So, in ter- I, you know, I, I know we've still got to see a ton, right? We didn't get to see it last year with Dylan in there with Jaron and the full crew. But right now and and, and going forward, how important is he to to this team and what they're trying to do this season?
2: Well, he's definitely important. And you can tell because their defensive rating, as of this morning, is the very worst in the NBA. Yes, sir. Um, And when Dylan has been on the court, which has been only one game, so it's literally a microscopic sample size, their defensive rating is already just way better. Um, For whatever reason, that guy, he just – he injects energy yeah. into the Grizzlies whenever he's on the court defensively. Now, at the same time, some of the decision making is—it's it, only been one game again, but it was not good in that Nets game. You—you sure. you can't just pretend that it was—it was good. And he's also just in a precarious situation this year because he's up for a new contract. They didn't get a deal done um, in the off season, and you wonder if the Grizzlies are going to you know, let the guy just walk at the end of the year to some other team that wants to pay him more money. Or if he's one of the people that ends up involved at the trade deadline, because they don't want him to walk out the door for free. So um, he's fascinating. He's important to the team and very clearly important defensively, but you also got to think about the future of the team. Um, And so, to me, it's, it's, it's just, that's going to be an incredibly difficult decision for Zach Kleiman to figure out you know, exactly how he fits. And I know that they like Dylan Brooks. They, they still like Dylan Brooks, and we can see what kind of impact he makes on you know, the defensive end of the floor. But mm-hmm. overall, there's some tough decisions coming in the future as it relates to Dylan Brooks. So the better he plays now, the, the, the better off it is for everybody.
0: We're talking to Drew Hill, covers the Grizzlies for the Daily Memphian on Twitter at drewhill_dm. You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be filling in next week, amigo. Are You gonna be up here or what?
2: I will be tomorrow and all of next week. So. All right.
0: So you can get all. So this is why you had to skip out on the road trip. You got some other duties you got to take care of, which I I respect and appreciate. In terms of tonight, uh, I don't know. Like it, it's a tough one. It's the first game of road trip. On one hand, you want to set the tone for the Grizzlies. On the other hand, you're getting a Kings team that has not won a game yet, so their desperation is going to be at an all-time high. Uh, what do you think about this matchup for the Grizz?
2: It's interesting. I like watching Ja versus De'Aaron Fox, and it does feel like every time De'Aaron Fox plays against Ja, he plays better because he's so motivated to just to sort of prove a point. So it is it is a bit of a tough matchup. Uh they get Keegan Murray back, who a lot of people think might win rookie of the year. That's who I picked to win rookie of the year in our preseason predictions um podcast with Chris Harrington. He had an amazing summer league. He he I think he has the potential to instantly become maybe the best player on the Kings. Like I, I feel that strongly about him. Um so it, it it'll be definitely not a cakewalk for the Grizzlies in these West Coast trips, especially, you know, when you have to travel all the way out there the day before the game and wake up and play, and it's a it's a super late tip uh tonight in Memphis I, I it's those games are always tough it It feels like the Grizzlies should win these next four games all on the road. I would bet that they probably don't win all four games on the road just because it's the nBA and any of these teams can get you, and Kings could certainly get them tonight.
1: How about them bears, baby? Break up the band three wins that's more than John Martin's <laughs> Raiders, you know, drew.
2: It is more than John Martin's Raiders. Um, Look, I was at the Nets game on Monday, Uh so I'm going to be 100% honest here. I was telling people before the the Nets game, I was like, oh, I'm so glad that the Grizzlies have a game tonight so I don't have to watch this train wreck on TV. And then I'm just looking down. I'm getting texts from my dad and from my buddies that are Bears fans, and they're all going nuts. And so I had to come home and watch the highlights afterwards. Look, I, we got problems. Um, we got problems, but we got ridiculous amount of cap space this summer. We yes, we, we might do. as well just sign the whole Raiders roster, and they can go down and play Pop Warner or something because we got so much cap space. Uh, but but yeah, I like, I think that the future is is looking better. I still don't know how much I believe in Justin Fields, sure. but. It was a good game from him, and it was surprising. Like I didn't think they would do anything against Bill Belichick's defense, but but here we are. They had a plan. At least that was good to see. You have to
0: wake Virginia up if you want to do anything with your roster.
2: You have to, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah, but she's that, that, that could be a problem. He's about
1: yeah. to unlock the cash next year. You said it. Is that if is is He's unlocking the treasure chest, baby. We got the money.
0: Okay, one final act, huh? One last act. <laughs> no, she's alive and well. Okay, I just heard her on the uh, that Sunday Night Football. Preview when she was doing the voiceover, and I said, Oh, God, this is brutal. Yeah, it's rough. This is brutal. It's a little rough. You know, nobody lets Sister Jean do the uh, you know, voiceovers for Marge Mattis. She's, she's still
1: throwing out first pitches.
0: Oh, is that she's, what you would call a sprightly. throw? She's sprightly. Is that what you would call a throw? No. That thing didn't even reach the end of the uh, mound, bro. That thing, that was a. She's like 112, bro. <laughs> Drew, thank you. this is
2: not good karma. Exactly, about. right? That's what I'm trying a to say. I'm trying well, to though. Is, I don't want you, you to be a part okay, of this. But, That's but, why it, I was, but here's
0: my thing, though, right? As, if, you're, if you're the promoters, do you really bring her out to throw the first pitch? Like, she can't get the ball across the plate. Dude, she gets the crowd hype. Is that right? Yes! Yes! Drew, you like Sister Jean? Out the Everywhere first in minute? Chicago. Dude, Just... John, you're gonna
2: get hit by lightning on the He really way home is, yeah. He really something is, like
1: Drew.
0: I mean, that is, yeah, you is, is, got fired up when you saw Sister Jean being rolled out there to throw the other this,
2: this is wrong. Well, the way that the That's a, a hazard. The she can hit somebody went. in
0: the face with that thing. You don't know where it's going.
2: <laughs> she she must have blessed us or something, because we were like one of the worst teams in baseball the first half of the season. And Sister Jean comes, throws out the first pitch, That's and all right. of a sudden the Cubs look like they have a little bit. Uh, of Oh, is that right? Y'all had, had a strong throw. start to the start, end, end of the season. You need to apologize. You need to apologize to Sister Jean and whatever you know, whatever religious entity uh, you follow mm-hmm. here, John. You need to apologize yeah, to I'm your paying. God and to Sister Jean so that you don't get hit by lightning on the way home.
0: Okay. Well, I, we we need to bring uh, good advice, Drew. Brian I mean, Sorfield needs to wheel out uh, sister Jean before UCF next weekend. because she's such good luck, we 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 need to go four zero at the end of the, to, uh, to end this year. So we we got to make that call. Throughout the uh, is there like a ceremonial thing you could do for Memphis football? Kick like a field goal or something? <laughs> kick a uh, first kick? I don't know. Uh, all right, Drew. Enjoy Drew, the uh, you, enjoy the festivities tonight, brother. Thank you.
2: All right,
0: see it bye. He is Drew Hill. Uh covers the Grizz for the daily Memphis. Look, I,
1: he's right about you getting struck down. You're talking about my sister Jean.
0: I I just say what everybody else is thinking. Did
1: you say you worship a pagan lord?
0: No, I That's what I heard from him. He just told Drew that. I don't know if that's what I said. He said he's I pagan
1: said. is what he said. I don't
0: think John thinks about karma at all when he talks. Well. I just feel like if I was a promoter, I would say, "Okay, I would sit down and I would ask myself. Good idea. She
1: is a celebrity Good idea. in Chicago, everywhere. Good she idea.
0: Goes. Is it going to work? Is it practically going to – is she going to be able to pitch? And the answer was no. The it's answer was, was resoundingly no. It, she did not get the – like 50 cents of the ball, whatever. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Is it funny with Sister Jean? No, it's not. It's not funny at all. You're the only one saying you got to be able to do it from the pitching mound or else you shouldn't be up there, <laughs> fool.
1: My She's lord. She's
0: 100 and what, two or three? Yes. Give her, I gave hell. her a respect
1: burger when she had her birthday recently.
0: Why didn't you give her a respect burger when she got the ball out?
1: Respect. Because wasn't. We, didn't, we had just given her one for the birthday. Can't oh, okay. overfeed her.
0: Right. That's true. That's a good point. I don't know. I just, I, I just feel like, you know, hey, I want to I get somebody that can, like, you know, got a little zip. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.